Love Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating and really the most helpful leaders in the business community from around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business. So, have you got success on your mind, or is it already planted in your mind as part of your innate intention? Have you achieved that rare mental mastery that carries top professional Olympic-level athletes and major business leaders into the realm of accomplishment? Well, if you're almost there, uh, but not quite complete, today's guest, you are in luck. Uh, You're going to get a real boost from uh, Dr. Stan Beecham, a sports uh, and performance psychologist, business leader consultant, and the author of the uh, very highly acclaimed and received Elite Minds, How Winners Think Differently. And I I like that. So if you would uh, want someone who is going to deftly guide the powerful folks like yourself into best and surprising performances, hang on. Whether you are a, a, a veteran COO of a globally established wealth management firm placing high achievers into financial security like Walter, or if you're an eager CPA seeking to fill her new offices with clients like Marianne, of wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Stan, um, I'm so glad that you could join us today. Thank you, Bart. And you you know everyone today is is penning a success book, five easy five easy theses, six sigmas to success, seven habits of an onicos. Those are real titles, by the way. Apparently, you, can, right. you can't have success with numbers. I don't know why. So just answer me, Stan. Does life really demand more than a recipe? I mean, is it more than just putting your head down and climbing steps? I think it does. In fact, I think the problem there is is it's it's someone else's recipe. And I do mm. think that we have become a culture where we think someone else has the answer for us. And what I want people mm-hmm. to understand is is that no one else has your secret recipe. No one has the answer for you. You do have the capacity to establish, make that yourself. And I think that's exactly what we should do. I think we should let go of the false belief that someone else is going to give me the secret answer to my problem. Oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that. It, it's really true. We we search vainly for silver bullets. Uh, I'm curious, Stan. What what brought you into the world of mind and mental mastery? What, did you uh, see some winning athletes that had mentally grasped something that the rest of us lack? Or? Well, I was uh, studying psychology at the University of Georgia. Uh, back mm-hmm. in the late 70s, early 80s. And that was also the time where sports psychology had reached the U.S. And uh, I had been an athlete, was interested in sport, was interested in psychology. So those two things kind of found me. And uh, mm-hmm. I had the good fortune while I was an undergraduate student at Georgia to work mm-hmm. with the football team, uh, specifically the kickers at Georgia. And, oh. of course, at, the, at that time we had – Uh, Kevin Butler, who was probably the greatest 
place kicker in college hit, history. He's the only place kicker that's in oh, the yeah. College Football Hall of Fame. And so I had the good pleasure oh, of working with him, yeah, and, and then got invited back uh, as a result and have been working with athletes ever since. That's marvelous. I, I'm really uh, impressed that you're able to find some of the people, like, like a place kicker, with, who demands such envisioning and mental concentration and actually help yeah. them. And with that brief and tempting nosh of today's Feast of Wisdom, I'm going to ask that you allow me now uh, some time to fulfill my duties as proper host and lay before you a few utensils for furthering of the feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself, and since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you pause and reflect on all of those aspects of your marvelous self, kind of get overwhelmed by your potential? Or will you plug along in default mode and allow others to evaluate and assess uh, and take your choices from what they reflect? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, I think you need to steep your lips into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Whips book. So let me pull it out here. Hold on, hold on. And, okay, here we are. Here we are. Seriousness is an attempt to banish joy in hopes of gaining focus. And alas, seriousness, like old scotch, is highly overrated. <laughs> Um, and as an afterthought, you, you know, the power of enthusiastic exhilaration trumps, if you will, uh, beats out any grim and squinting buckle-down efforts. Employers may like, you know, the, the mindless and serious, but any sage could tell you that true achievement um, and wisdom fly best on the wings of laughter. Besides, seriousness narrows your, your, your focus and your, your view, and humor demands oversight, so make them laugh. And if you smirk a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and pick up your copy of 101 or 102 Best Business Quips, and you will have a whole cannonade of jovial witticisms that will inspire a little chortle from all the chain gang at work. And as a third utensil, I think we should appropriately entitle this the Brain Food Spoon, we proffer you the answer to last week's business quotation. That is, the name of the author uh, who noted, The big print giveth, and the fine print taketh away. Those words came from none other than New York's most famous and mind-challenging Archbishop, Fulton Sheen. And stick with us, my friend, because later on in the show, blurting your way, comes another quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble it down as you believe him or her to be and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you are uh, correct in your knowledge, it will earn you a marvelous gift freshly disemboweled with, from the dungeons of Bart's Books bookstore so with utensils in hand my friend unleash your mind into high gear and get ready for it to change for the better under the guidance of dr stan beecham stan i noticed in your um excellent book elite minds you talk about uh goal limitations which are culturally heaped upon us uh we're assured that our lives have uh definite limits and there's so much that's out of reach i mean for instance i know i'm told that my i cannot control my parasympathetic 
parasympathetic nerve system, you know, heartbeat and such. And I know that's bull. Uh, where does all where do all these limits come from? Well, I think it's a cultural piece. I think most of what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about what our mind is capable, what our body's capable of, we've been told that by someone, usually a loved one, a parent, a teacher. And the fact of the matter is, is that if your teachers have underestimated themselves, which unfortunately most of our Uh, teachers, parents have, then they're going to do uh, the same with you. So what happens is, is we actually, as a child, you adopt someone else's belief system. And what's embedded in that belief system is, you know, who am I and what am I capable of? Right. So your capabilities are coming from others, and they are, uh, alas, often a reflection of their own personal failings. Uh, give us, give, yes. give us like one or two things that you see frequently uh, are, are, are folks being limited on, being held back by in, in a mindset. Yes. So, so what what I see consistently with with, with most of us is. Again, we have this belief of what we're capable of and what we can do. And, and what I've learned is is that human beings don't attempt to do something if they don't think they have the ability to do it. So one of right, the things right. that I see consistently is, I guess one way you might say it is, is that we, we play small. In other words, we don't try to do big things because the belief is either I can't do it or that's something that other people do. And so what I'll see consistently with people, say, for example, in business, what they're trying to achieve from a goal standpoint, and you mentioned goals earlier, is that what I see most people do is the the way they they set the goal, they do it very modestly and carefully and protect themselves. And and, Mm -hmm. and, in other words, they, they, they set a small goal that they're pretty sure that they can hit. What I encourage right. people to do is do just the opposite, is to set a goal that you have a pretty good you know, chance of failing. Say, for example, a 60% chance of achieving the goal and a 40% chance of failing. And a lot of people yeah, yeah. say, well, why would, why would I want to set myself up for failure? But the fact of the matter is, even if you came short of that goal, you know, the 60-40 goal, you would still be better off. You're you're overreaching what is all, what you were initially set. Uh, you're keeping yeah. things uh, not just inches away from your grasp, but so far down the road that you're going to stretch to make it, Lamarckian, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, what you're doing is you're changing the definition of impossible for yourself. Oh, so what I you like see that. Is, is that you know people that are really out there doing big things, we think they're somehow different than the rest of us. Well, where they're really yeah, different yeah. is really what, what they think is possible. And so it becomes the, the, the aspect of changing the impossible into the possible, which, which we all have the ability to do. And, and, and I bet everyone listening has done that at some point in time. They just forgot that they did it. <laughs> oh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to, you to take note that Stan has just come up with a quill pen moment that is a timeless truth in the realm of business, and that is that those who achieve are those who so often redefine 
what is possible. And I'd like you to take your pens and dip them in the inkwell and scrawl that down and hold it close to yourself. And if you've just joined us, by the way, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the profoundly misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download uh, this show and all our others by uh, just typing in blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. And now, Stan, you've, uh, you, with me, you made one point that really, really hit home, and that you have said that we are a culture that seems to be obsessed with a, a very sort of insatiable and frustrating craving to always do better and to always want more. Now, you know, mm-hmm. my mother and my boss call that ambition. What do you call it? Well, there, there's an of it that's ambition. Uh, but then when you take that ambition to a point where nothing is ever enough or good enough, uh, then the psychologist might call that neurosis. But the, the <laughs> ambition the ambition is really uh, a proponent of this internal drive that I think that we all have and that we're born with, you know, this internal life force, if you will. What, right. what I think is going on culturally with us is here we are as Americans and we have more stuff and more money than we ever have, but yet we have more addiction, more obesity, uh, more debt than we've ever had. And True, part, also, of, sadly. Part, of, part of the internal belief that most people have in their head is that they need to be better, right? That I need to be a, a better right. version of me. In, in other words, when you dig down beneath that and, and kind of ask the question of, well, why do you need to be better? You know, the answer that the person will ultimately give you is because I'm not good enough yet. And mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. other the other problem with this better is better is a future concept. And the fact right. of the matter is everything we do from a performance standpoint, we do in the now. In other words, you can't do better now. Okay, you're at work today. You're going to the game today. You have to play today. You can't right. be better than you are. Mm-hmm. But what mm-hmm. I can be is I can be the best of me. And so, uh, be, being your best is about being, and better is about change and some flaw that we have. And what I think we should change. Is the conversation, which is let go of the of the belief that you need to be better and really focus on what I can do right now is do my best, and I can I can be my best self. And as I tell people all right. the time, you can't be you can't be any better than your best, nor <laughs> nor will you ever need to be. There will there will never be a situation in your life where you need to be better than what you're capable of doing. It just simply will never happen. Now, we have a belief about yeah. that, that my best may not, but that'll never happen. I I think you're right. We are caught up for part of that is feeding that got to be better is is our endless comparison. And we have a media that, that uh, blasts all our business magazines and journals and stories about so the, the Horatio Alger get-rich-quick kid who made it uh, – Ten years younger than we did, and ten times more money, right. and and they they just roll that out at us. But you, I, I think you're absolutely right that, um, you, as you put it so, so succinctly in your book, that, that better is the enemy of best. And 
Yep. Best is what you are. I, If you'll forgive yes. my launching off for a moment in the story, there's a gentleman named Ken Parker who's 18, who at age 18 started cutting the lawns for uh, Atlantic City Electric. And 18 years later, he went and sat in the president's chair because that was his. And he did this, mm-hmm. he keeps saying, I did my best with every single job they gave me. And what he was doing was the Dr. Stan Beecham uh, way of saying, "Work, f- live for now, work for now, and and uh, let the chips fall where they may." Right? Yeah, I think that you know, again, there's there's this belief that been has been put upon us, which is you're supposed to never be happy, never be content, always want more. And if you if you let go of that, then the competition, the rest of the world will pass you by. And it's just simply not yeah. true, Bart. I mean, it, and what it taps into uh, is it taps into this belief that all of us have at some point in time, which is, is I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, and it just yeah. exploits that. Okay. And what I'm saying mm-hmm. is, is, is that is that we are good enough, and there's nothing wrong with you. In other words, a lot of people, what I realize their problem is, is that they think they have a problem. That they can't, right. they can't imagine. They yeah, they can't imagine themselves being okay. That there has to be something yeah. wrong with me at all times, and that's a huge limiter. It it is, and I, I will say it's fed by our our. We all know that it's fed by by the the endless siege of advertising, the three thousand persuasive messages messages we get every day that you know I I don't smell good enough and I'm not thin enough and so forth, but. It's, it's yeah, much, those are all better. It's, 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 yeah, yeah, and um, I want to. Uh, we're going to have to break, but I, I based. I want to continue with that. In that, um, Thomas Jefferson wrote uh, that among our inalienable, inalienable rights uh, were the pursuit of happiness. And uh, by the way, Alex Hamilton uh, wanted to change that to the pursuit of property, but he was a banker anyway. Uh, and but in your book, you say don't pursue happiness, and it's it's not so much that it's unobtainable, but it's sort of lost by direct by the direct pursuit. Is that right? Yeah, I think that happiness happens. In other words, happiness right. is the result in the present with your best, you live, right? Well, happiness is the result of how you live your life. So, in other words, right. do you surround yourself with people that you love and that love you? Have you found work that's meaningful? Uh, you know these kinds of things. It, it there's there's what I think of as the the things that I do, and then the things mm-hmm. that happen to me as a result. You know, in our grandparents' generation, the focus was on what you did, and the belief was, you know, if you got up in the morning, you did your chores, and you, you know, listened to your elders, and you didn't talk back, and you behaved a certain way, then you would feel good about yourself. And then right, the self-esteem right. movement came along in the 70s, and it was all about how you felt and not what you did. But yet we realize right, that when right. a child learns to ride a bike, you know, she feels better about herself. And when a little boy learns to read, he feels better about himself. And so yeah, I think yeah. this obsession with happiness, the problem with it is we really need to focus on, you know, what are the things that I need to do today that are going to lead to happiness. You know, I'm going to need to exercise. I'm going to need to, you know, put some good food in my um, body. I'm, I'm going to need to help someone or try to help someone. 
And I know that if I do those things, at the end of the day, I'm going to be okay with me. I'm going to like me. And if I don't do those yeah. things, probably not as much. You know, it's a very interesting thing. We have this sort of cut to the chase, cut to the chase. So we pass by all the do's that you've just mentioned and head straight for happiness. And guess what? The well's dry because it ain't backed up. There's no foundation behind it right. to hold the water. Right. And you know, Bart, you can hear it in our language where people will say, let me tell you what happened to me today. And, mm-hmm. and what I want people to think about That's is interesting. Very clever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Versus let me not tell you I what I did today. Yeah. Make your life about what Very. you do, not about what happens to you. Oh, instead, I, I, this is, if you've just joined us, you're listening to The Art of the CEO, and uh, Dr. Stan Beecham is giving us a great feast of wisdom here, and uh, my brain is open, so I'm afraid uh, we all could use a little rest and take a brief sorbet uh, from all that he's giving us, and so allow me, if you will, to... Uh, introduce you to the company by whose good graces we're here today, and that firm is Prometheus Publishing, creator of, among many other divisions, Bart's Books, Ultimate Business Guides, and you may uh, visit uh, and explore really a wild, uh, a pretty good wealth of business masters and their ideas at Prometheus Publishing, and which, today, which today invites you to look at uh, the book, So That's How They Do It. Tactics from Business Masters. And this is really one of my favorite books, primarily because of the readership. This book was designed uh, for those business folks, uh, which we term the energized elite. You, you know who you are. You're the, the individual who is really out there seeking some fulfillment and satisfaction and meaningful career. Uh, enough to actually do something about it. You're going to put your arms and push off the swivel chair, get up, seize a better tool, and apply it when you find it. Well, that's what this book affords you. It is a series of proven techniques, uh, disciplines, attitudes that have worked for uh, people who have accomplished what they want uh, in these days upon our uh, the span upon our earth. So you may pick up, so that's how they do it, and you can apply the tools that work and bypass those that don't. And you may find it, uh, among other places, at bartsbooks.com. That's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And if you enjoyed today's quip, by the way, uh, while you're at bartsbooks.com, click on that little blue mailbox that, that on the homepage there, and you will subscribe absolutely free to Bart's Books Quips with every week flinging your way a bit of wisdom and laughter and all coming to you through the eternal enigma of email, which uh, is sort of a fun way to kick off the week. And uh, speaking of things that are both fun and powerful and uh, we've got some, and good tactics, let's uh, turn back to our most prized tool, our minds, and carted on a journey of accomplishment with our mental Virgil, Dr. Stan Beecham. Stan, um, if I may, what I'd like to do is slip onto your couch for a moment, Doctor. And I know several professional boxers who who do this, and it's a habit I've developed before I paddle some particularly dangerous river or, or launch off on some immense business undertaking. I rest, I, I actually lie down and try to meditatively envision victory. Uh, first of all, do you, do you think this is a, a beneficial thing? And if uh, could you give me and some of the others out there a tip on, on this envisioning idea? 
Well, the the reason that that process works is that the brain doesn't know the difference between something that you're actually seeing and something that you're imagining that you're seeing. I mean, this is why sometimes ah. you wake up in the middle of the night, you just had a dream, and and you think to yourself, you know, that felt real. From the mm-hmm. brain standpoint, it, it doesn't differentiate. This is this is the same reason why thoughts are so powerful, is because it's mm-hmm. the brain's experience. And this is why you can have a thought over and over again, and it affects you, right? You can say, I'm good enough or I'm no good, and by repeating either one of those, it will affect you. At the same time, the things that you imagine in your mind or or visualize in your mind, you're simply practicing the mind to get used to that, if you will, and expect that, right? So we, we have this expectation in this thing called our life that, you know, what happened to me today is likely to happen again, right? This right. is why our, when you talk ex- to a friend. Our it, hard wiring yeah, process, is, I guess. Yes, yes. So whether you're conscious of it or not, you have this expectation that what's happened in the past will happen again. You know, how people treated you yesterday, that's how you'll get treated today. And this is why if right. you have a friend who's depressed, and if you say to your friend, you know, why are you depressed, they'll tell you a story about something that happened in the past. You with me? Yes, right. You, you're 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 not depressed about right now. You're depressed about the past, and you're anxious about the future. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. In order to be depressed, you have right. to go absolutely. Back to yeah. In yeah. order to be anxious, you got to have to go forward. So when you're visualizing, you're in that moment, and assuming that you're visualizing something that you want to have happen, that would be a positive experience. You're essentially, as you're visualizing on the couch. You're having that experience. In other words, it's really happening yeah. to you. You follow me? Yes, right. Okay, this is, I this see is, what you're saying. Yeah, this is why you can watch a movie or read a book and cry and be affected by it. Right. Because mm-hmm. cause in that moment, that is the reality. It's, so it's what you're bringing into yourself. Yeah. yeah, so visualization is powerful simply because that's what the brain is doing. You know, I think most people really fail to understand when you – when you when you see something, what's going on? I mean, actually, what's happening is when you see something, you don't actually see the object that's out in front of you. You're, you know, the light waves come in through your eye, down your optic nerve, and in the back of your brain is the occipital lobe, and your occipital right. lobe basically recreates that image. In other words, you don't actually see the person standing in front of you. You actually right. see your brain's recreation of that. In front of you. Yeah, I, I don't see a tree. I see colored patches. I, right, exactly. No, that but I what then I'm interpret saying, what I'm as a tree. Is, right, but what I'm saying is, Bart, you and I can both stand in front of the same tree, okay, and we're looking right. at the same thing, but the image mm-hmm. that your brain creates of the tree is not the one that mine creates. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I see in other words, saying. we yeah. think we think of what's out in the world as reality. Mm-hmm. We think of these objects as real, and they're only real to the point of what is your, how does your brain recreate it? And so how we filter, by interpret, things, and recreate them. Yes, I mean, so in other words, right. if in my mind people are good and they want to help mm-hmm. you, then when I see a person, I'm seeing something different than if in your mind you're saying, "Be careful of other people because they're trying to get you." Right. So I might right. see a, I course. might see a smile and face, and you see a monster about to get you. 
Mm-hmm. And this is, and we have through this envisioning reinforced the, our, our own interpret, our own present and and future interpretations of our world. You're, you're, yes. When you sit down and think and visualize, you're essentially building your world. So what I encourage oh, people gosh. to do is to be conscious of that. In other words, mm-hmm. you can think about your own thinking. So when I'm having a oh. thought, let's say it's a negative, I'm having a negative thought, don't beat myself up for having the negative thought. What I say to myself is, Stan, isn't it interesting that of all the things that you could think about right now, you've picked this one, okay? Uh, yeah. So you question yourself. You don't reprove yourself. You question yourself. I want to be, I want to be oh, conscious Stan, this of has it. Been, yeah. This has been very helpful, and it, uh, I, I think I'm going to—I think I'm going to be happier just from listening to you today on this show. Uh, this is wonderful. Could you tell us? Um, I, could you tell us how we might uh, a get get a hold of the copy of your book, and also how we might uh, get a hold of you uh, at the leadership sure. at the leadership resource center? Sure. So my website is drstanbeecham.com. And my email is stan at drstanbeecham.com. That's D-R-Stan, and then Beecham is spelled B-E-E-C-H-A-M. So stan at drstanbeecham.com. And you can get uh, you can order the book on the website through Amazon. Excellent. I think I think we should go there. This has been wonderful, Stan. We're going to have to have you back on. I want to I want to get into a big argument with you about luck and fate and fortune, but uh, okay. we'll have to save that for another day. <laughs> Thank you right. so much for coming on. It's, it's been great. Thanks, I Bart. really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. So as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's quotation. That is, who said. Let us be thankful for fools, but for them, the rest of us could not succeed. And as a hint, the author of of this uh, was a Mississippi riverboat pilot who truly knew his huckleberries. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, simply scribble that person's name down as you believe him or to be. Send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And you will win if you are correct and absolutely power-thrusting, career-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, if your multitasking boss just booked his entire vacation during your annual performance review, my friend, it's time for you to dust off your resume. (laughs) And um, to you gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the art of the CEO as much as... Excuse me. As much as Stan and I have enjoyed bringing it to you, and remember, you may download all our shows, uh, including this one, by simply visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to those of you who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you. <laughs>